Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Dr. Crime, a true crime podcast hosted by me, Rebecca, a criminologist, and me, Justice, a doctor of forensic psychology. You won't find clickbait titles, selfie thumbnails, or spooky music to set the mood here, but what you will find is ethical true crime with extra focus on empathy, accuracy, and a viewpoint from professionals. So grab your coffee and let's get started. At nearly midnight on December 21st of 2019, Marcus Dilley walked into the Port Clinton, Ohio Police Department and reported his 14-year-old son, Harley, missing. He mentioned that Harley had ADHD and autism and said that he was, I know this isn't really an accepted term, but this is a direct quote from the police report, but he said he was high-functioning and very smart. He reiterated that the last time Harley had been seen was the day before at 7 a.m. before school, but... Remember, not only is this the following day, it's also nearly midnight, meaning that his parents waited almost two days to report Harley missing. When asked why, Marcus said that when things were really tense in the house, it wasn't unusual for Harley to not come home for a day or two. He said Harley may have been angry because he'd recently broken his phone and demanded that his parents get him a new one. They told him no, saying that he needed to earn it, but this wasn't really well-received, so he'd assumed that's why Harley didn't come home, but it was going on for longer than usual, and he specifically said that Harley was a, quote, baby when it comes to being cold. What does that even mean? Like, how do you interpret a a baby when it comes to being cold? And I don't know, especially because we'll talk about it a little bit later, but his parents are kind of known, specifically his mom, for allegedly kicking him out of the house when it's pretty cold out. I, I'm not sure. It definitely, it struck me as odd. Yeah. Um, I do want to mention a couple other things that were odd about his statement. So that broken phone story will come up again, but it's told really differently. So in another statement, Heather says that Harley had broken his phone a while ago and that they didn't notice it until she noticed that he was using an old phone of hers. So when she confronted him about it and demanded her phone back, he allegedly got so mad that he snapped the phone in half. Um, she also discusses him physically attacking his father in the past over things like video games. So I'm not really sure um, if that could tie into him maybe having like autism or ADHD or just behavioral problems in general. That seems to be what they blame it on. But there's not really like an official diagnosis that I could find. Yeah, I mean, definitely reading some of this just from my viewpoint like a lot of those anger issues and again we're just reading one thing and I'm not here to diagnose anybody but definitely reading that he would snap phones in half he had anger issues he would physically attack his father just over video games it's definitely indicative that there might be some behavioral issues and a lot of times that stems from parenting but I would definitely I think (laughs) as we continue on through this case I think I think we're going to be in agreement. yeah yeah Um, I also want to point out something that stood out to me in Marcus's statement when he asked when he was asked to describe Harley just as a person he said quote he doesn't like the outdoors if he's anywhere he's in a house somewhere so I just want you to keep that in mind for later because that's just it's a very eerie thing I think Um, if my kids were missing uh, the first that's not the first thing I would think Um, absolutely not no He also states in his statement that Heather was upset with him for reporting Harley missing at all, allegedly because she didn't want Harley to get into any trouble for maybe, like, running away. 
But again, just as a mom, that seems a little bit off to me. I mean, I know you said we're going to talk about it later, but I am completely stuck on the fact that the first thing uh, that Marcus says is that Harley likes uh, doesn't like the outdoors. Because when you think about it, most people, when they're in that, like, oh, my God, my child's missing. How do I describe them? It's normally qualities, kind, caring, compassionate, nice, sweet, mm-hmm. you know, lights up the room. But to have a specific trait like that, red flag. I think so, too. And to say he's in a house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, also, I was curious about it. I'm sure everybody listening, Justice, I'm sure you were curious about it. But there was a life insurance policy on Harley. But it was taken out through Marcus's job. And he'd had one on every member of their family for years at this point. So so if it was premeditated, it was a long-running plan. Very long-running plan. I mean, of course, when you look at deaths, you always look at what is the life insurance like. And it's not unusual to have life insurance on your children mm-hmm. because things do happen. Uh, but that would be quite the gap. Right. Yeah, I think so, too. I think what he said is that his job kind of offered it to him and it was really, really cheap, like 50 cents a week or something. So yeah. they just kind of thought, well, better safe than sorry. Of course. And I mean, like, I, you never know. You don't know what tomorrow brings. And so I'm, any listeners out there, I always tell anybody I know, get a life insurance policy if you can and get a mm-hmm. will because you do not know what tomorrow brings. And, and just because someone takes a life insurance policy does not mean that there's any ill intent. Right. But after having suffered through like family deaths where there wasn't life insurance or wills, yeah, get life insurance and wills. I def- I think so too. Um, so another thing I thought was really odd is that his mom didn't go down to the police station with Marcus. Um, they actually had to call her to find her to get information but they did call her and she confirmed that she saw harley before school the day before when he had been asking her not to go she kind of insinuated he was like faking being sick to get out of going so she told him to quote get his ass to school she claimed as far as she knew he'd gotten up and gone so she went back to bed his school did attempt to contact her multiple times on the 19th which was at friday uh, to inform her that harley had not made it to school but she didn't answer and her voicemail box was full. She would later say that in the past the school had texted her. And so she was upset that this time they hadn't because maybe this wouldn't have happened or it wouldn't have gone on as long as it did if they had gotten in contact with her. Which, I mean, I can kind of understand. Like, if you lose a child, you're going to reach for ev- everybody is going to, you know, feel your wrath. Oh, but. 100%. Um, and I don't know how it was when you were in high school but I, my school did not did not send text messages, but that was also, you know, <laughs> quite a few years ago. Yeah. Um, they called the house phone, not to date mm-hmm. myself, but they called the house phone, um, which was kind of – luckily, I was a good kid and never skipped school without, like, my mom knowing. Um, but they just called, and I would just answer, and it was an automated report. And I was <laughs> like, it's, it's, that's not going to do anything if I skip school. <laughs> like, I distinctly remember – going home and erasing voicemails before my dad okay. home, so. they, after heather thought harley had went to school she woke up and she took her grandson so her grandson lived with them i don't know if the parents of the grandson lived with them but i know that the grandchild did mm-hmm. um so the grandson who lived with them she took him to a babysitter who he was with on fridays and then she said she did some chores she ran some errands until the early afternoon 
when Marcus came home from work, the two of them decided to do some last-minute Christmas shopping, so they dropped their grandson off with a relative, and they went to the nearby town of Sandusky to get some gifts, and that was until about 6 p.m. Then they returned to their house around 10 p.m. There's no mention of what they did for those four hours, though, so they were shopping until 6, and they didn't get home until 10, so not really sure what happened, but... Uh, what was odd to me is that no one tried to contact Harley all day when he still wasn't home at 11 p.m., which was his curfew. Heather called her parents, who allegedly just sort of reiterated that Harley was probably upset about the phone thing. So her and Marcus just went to sleep. There's <laughs> there's a lot of questions there. And right. I mean, when you have a, a kid that is independent and again, I'm not diagnosing, but definitely sounds like there could be some aggression, could be some anger issues, whatever situation may be. Um, yeah, as you might be like, they're probably just out with their friends and you don't think about it. But I feel like if they weren't home by curfew, the point of curfew is like a check-in time. Right. Like that's when you know something is not right. And that, I, I mean... My mom never gave me a curfew, but if she was like, hey, please be home by 11 or text me, and I didn't text her, my phone is blown up by 11.01. So I guess the thing here is that he may have had a broken phone he, because he maybe broke it. But right. um, again, I remember being in high school and all of this stuff, and if my phone was ever broken or out of commission or whatever, I still had to check in either using somebody else's phone or I wasn't allowed to go. Yeah, no, um, my mom, very, very similar. I mean, it just, it's so hard because did he have a broken phone? And if he did, it's not like he didn't have friends that could have used a phone. Right. Um, but the fact that they just went to sleep again, my mom wouldn't sleep soundly if I wasn't home. Like her door would always be open so that the commotion of me walking in would wake her. Right, yeah, absolutely not. I, I, I... Again, my kids are way younger, but I cannot foresee me not knowing where my child is and just going to bed. But then again, they say that this happens kind of often. Exactly. And we do have to take that into consideration. I don't want to victim blame. I don't want to blame the parents. If it does happen often, it's one of those things where you notice patterns. Mm -hmm. You notice it's normal for them to not come home for a couple days and stay at their friend's house and not talk to them for a couple days. It's how they cool down. It's the routine. So you kind of have to take into consideration what is the routine for when tension would build and release like that. Right. But they woke up the following morning and noticed that Harley still wasn't home. So this is Saturday now. But they just kept going on about their day. They did some chores. Then at 1130, they went to a family Christmas party where they stayed until 11 p.m., Again, they didn't even attempt to contact Harley all day. And that's when finally at almost midnight, Marcus goes into the police station to report him missing. And Heather made a post on Facebook, um, which has since been removed. That'll sort of be a thing that comes up again and again in the story is Heather has posted a lot of stuff on Facebook that got taken down almost immediately. But um, her post initially said, missing in Port Clinton, Ohio, last seen at PCHS, which was his high school, at 3 p.m. on Friday, December 20th, 101 pounds, 4'9", wearing a maroon puffer jacket. If seen, please contact Port Clinton Police, myself, or Marcus Dilley. So, nothing really super unusual there, but I do want to point out, she says he was last seen at school 
3 p.m. on Friday, December 20th. And we already know he didn't go to school that day. Gotcha. I was going to ask, do we know why the posts were removed? So when this happened, and we'll kind of get into it a little bit later, but there was a lot of backlash against the family. Um, And Heather did, again, totally understandably post a lot of really emotionally charged things. Mm -hmm. So um, as she was getting backlash, I'm not sure if she was advised to take them down or if she was removing them herself. You can still find almost all of them. I'm going to read one later that I think is particularly interesting that may kind of shed some insight on that. Gotcha. Because, I mean, it it takes a lot for Facebook to remove posts, especially when it's about missing children. So I find that interesting. But, yeah, carry on. Everything I've read so far has said she took them down. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. So the following morning, which is now December 22nd at um, 2 30 a.m so just a couple hours after he was reported missing a bolo was issued for harley and massive searches began remember this is december in ohio so it's super it's cold. cold yeah he's a kid um, heather said that she wasn't exactly sure but she thought harley may have been wearing that maroon puffer coat his glasses some gray workout pants that had holes in the knees black sneakers and with his gray and black backpack on um, again just as a note he ended up not having his backpack a friend of his would later contact the police and inform them that inform them that Harley had actually left his backpack at her house the Wednesday night before he went missing. They searched police searched through the backpack and they didn't really find anything unusual inside. Okay. I do oh. also just kind of want to back up for one second. Um, just so that listeners know, um, a bolo is a be on the lookout, which is mm-hmm. a basically a formal uh, document that the police is saying, we are looking for this individual. So, be on the lookout. So anytime you hear a bolo, it's when the police have officially become involved in the investigation. They are looking out. They are not stating that he's a wanted person or that he's missing if there's no information to indicate that there was a kidnapping or anything like that. So uh, just going forward, that if you hear us talk about bolo, that's what that <laughs> is. Yeah, good catch. <laughs> so they also searched the Dilly home They took a SIM card from a camera that Harley was using. They took a broken cell phone and its SIM card and a flash drive that they found under his bed. They also took DNA samples from his toothbrush and his comb. They did a luminol test on his room that came back negative. So um, again, luminol for anyone who may not know, it's just a test. It's a chemical reaction. And if there is blood present or if there's ever been blood present, it will glow under black light. Um, But that test was negative in his room. Now, interestingly, Heather cleaned his room prior to law enforcement arriving. And the trash was taken out. But they found the trash bag and there wasn't anything in it. Uh, I don't know how often she cleaned his room. I don't know if this was unusual for her. She did say she was cleaning and doing chores that day. So maybe that's what happened. Um, They also seized Marcus and Heather's phones. But I couldn't find anything about what they maybe found, I did find that Heather's phone, they basically couldn't analyze. Something in the software wouldn't allow them to analyze it. Um, And the home was searched using cadaver dogs who didn't pick up on anything there. Law enforcement also spoke with friends of Harley's. Now, Heather told law enforcement that Harley's ex-girlfriend had seen him Friday after school. This could be why she put that in her Facebook post. But it gets a little confusing because there was a boy who was with them who thinks that this whole encounter happened on Thursday. 
but Harley's ex-girlfriend was insistent it was Friday at some points, and then at other points, she says it may have been Thursday. Uh, they were not seen together on school CCTV at all on Friday. We know Harley wasn't at school on Friday, so law enforcement believes this meeting happened Thursday. Um, another friend of Harley's said that he had seen Harley Friday after school when he'd gone to the boy's house, and he asked if he could go to a basketball game with he and his dad, but they didn't have an extra ticket, so Harley didn't go. There, so, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but that's a confusing timeline. So there was no evidence of him in school on Friday. Mm-mm. Multiple people said that they did see him Friday after school. But yes. then that's, they were like, oh, that would make sense for Thursday. Is that right? Yeah, it's really confusing because there's multiple teenagers, multiple of Harley's friends who say, yeah, we saw him Friday. But there's no proof that anybody saw him Friday. And actually, the, the very next thing I was going to touch on is the last time we see Harley on any like security footage or anything is that Friday morning leaving his house. So I don't know if he had gone to school, if he would have come back. Right. Did he just skip school with the girlfriend and she was covering her tracks? Which could be. I, I really don't know. But I believe, I don't want to say for sure because I don't know, but I believe in the police report she is seen at school on Friday. Okay. But Harley is not ever seen at school on Friday. And, the, you know, all of his teachers reported him not being there. So you So you can see him. There's some local security footage. And you can see Harley... Thursday the 19th, so the day before he went missing, and he is seen running towards the school at 6.30 p.m. and then running back towards his house at 7.30 p.m. So that could be the meeting that they're all getting confused about. Yeah, okay, that that makes part sense of the timeline. Right, and then there's foot, like I said, there's footage of Harley captured the morning of the 20th leaving his house. Okay, so timeline-wise, we have... Thursday, he was seen. There's footage of him being seen. There's no question. Mm-hmm. Friday, we see him leaving his house. And that is to the point where he is not seen again. Right. And I don't know. It could be a thing where maybe the time was off on the camera. But the camera footage was taken at 6 a.m. And his mom says that she saw him a lot closer to 7 a.m. at home. So there's also kind of a little discrepancy in the timeline there. Yeah, that's that's definitely I mean, would the six to seven really make that big of a difference? The only thing that would make me a little bit like that I have questions about is did he regularly go to school that much earlier than school opening? Gotcha. Yep. Because my school, it didn't even open that early. So I'm not sure. Yeah, that's that that would be the only thing that was a little bit odd to me. Unless he like went to walk to his girlfriend's house to walk her to school or ex-girlfriends. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we'll kind of talk about it later. But there was some weird stuff with the ex-girlfriend too where Harley was trying to like win her back. So that could be it. But I mean, I'm just thinking of like if you're if you're a um, a teenage boy and you you know you have a girl you're trying to win back you're gonna you're gonna want to be around her as much as possible you're gonna want to do the gentleman thing and walk her to school so if he was leaving at six then that could place that he was walking her to school and what happened from his house to her house or from her house to school 
that's a good point that I hadn't thought about. Maybe he was just going somewhere. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just where my mind went. Um, but, I mean, when it comes to, to also, I'm still just, I'm still thinking about his mom cleaning his room. Mm-hmm. This was after he went missing. Well, maybe. We just know by the time the police looked there, it was clean. Gotcha. So she technically could have done it while he was quote unquote at school on Friday and there was no malintent there. Right. And she did tell the police that Friday she was home cleaning. Okay. So, I mean, again, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. And I feel like that if there was blood in the room, it would have been too close. You would have smelled the bleach. You would have smelled the chemicals that the chemicals would have shown up in the luminol test. Right, yeah, they didn't find anything with luminol, the cadaver dogs didn't hit, Um, even the police found the trash bag from his room and there was nothing in it, so I think that particular thing, while it sort of adds to the general weirdness about the case, I think it may just be like a, she cleaned it, he's a teenage boy, I'm sure he wasn't doing a great job. Exactly, yeah, yeah, I don't think there's any malicious intent of her cleaning her son's room, but Mm -hmm. it's one of those where like you stack things on top of each other. And that's when it starts to become suspicious. Right. So, yep, the bolo goes out on the 22nd. And then on the 23rd, Harley's disappearance was confirmed on the local news, which was followed by another social media post, this time from the Port Clinton Police Department. Now, their social media posts were also pretty controversial. I'm not sure if it's a small department or not, but the posts are coming directly from their police chief. (laughs) We'll talk about some of the stuff that he posts But I I don't know. It's a little off to me. So, friends, we appreciate all your tips and requests for assistance on the disappearance of Harley. We currently have numerous detectives working those leads and and following up on the original call. The search last night and today was helpful. And at this time, I would request that any future searches be conducted at the request of the police department. When and if that happens, I will post that I will post that on our Facebook page in time to give everyone notice that wishes to assist. We appreciate your understanding. So that one's that one's fine. He's basically just telling yeah. people, like, only search areas where we're saying to go ahead and search. Right. Which is very important if a police, if the police department ever says, only look when we tell you to look, it's because you could be contaminating a crime scene. And right. that can destroy, destroy any evidence. It can destroy the case. It can destroy a trial. So, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. The following day, December 24th, Christmas Eve, Harley's case was upgraded from just regular missing case to an endangered missing child advisory, which essentially just means it gets pushed out to more agencies, um, a little bit higher level law enforcement can get involved, which makes sense because by the time December 27th of 2019 rolled around, there were no new developments in the case, but several agencies had become involved, like the FBI, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, the Ohio BCI, which is essentially like the state FBI, um, the U.S. Marshals, Texas EquiSearch, which if you guys aren't familiar, Texas EquiSearch, they're the people that search, search for missing individuals. They've been involved in every big case. But the Dillies released a statement via the police department's Facebook page, and this statement said, We want to thank all the agencies and all the people from the community who have assisted in searching for our son, Harley, from now and through the holiday season. As you can imagine, our family is terribly distraught at this time. This is not the Christmas we had hoped for. 
We pray for the safe return of our son, Harley. Harley, if you hear or read this, please come home. We miss you. Your family misses you. You are not in trouble. We love you. Thank you one and all for the continued effort and work you are doing and for all of your thoughts and prayers. Pray, share, keep your eyes open. Now, the Facebook post on the Port Clinton PD page continued like this for a while. They posted every day, sometimes multiple times a day, essentially saying that there were no new updates, not to spread any rumors, and updating as the reward fund grew. There is one thing that catches my eye in that statement. I don't know if you catch it either. Is it the mist? No. (laughs) Well, yes, but you are not in trouble. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because normally if if a kid has been taken or you don't know if that there's been a kidnapping or an abduction, you don't say those things. You don't say you are not in trouble. That is encouraged by runaway teens. Yeah. But then again, if he does have a history of behavior issues and he leaves and doesn't come back sometimes, maybe they're just trying to tell him you won't be in trouble. Right. And it, Essentially, I mean, I guess it just in my head, if I was if I was a citizen reading these posts, um, if I was reading this post, I would assume that Harley's been abducted or the unthinkable mm-hmm. had happened. And so if I were to read you're not in trouble, my mind would automatically ease and be like, OK, he's not kidnapped. He's just a runaway. Yes, it's important that we find him, but it just kind of dials down the urgency i guess yeah just just the like if like i said if i was just in the community i've been looking for him and then i hear you you are not in trouble well i mean maybe it's just the way i'm thinking but no i totally understand that would definitely kind of be like a huh but i can also understand yeah i i see both i see both sides on that one right i mean i do too especially because again if he's known for being in trouble you want or you know for any anger issues or if mm-hmm. he's been known to run away you just want to say like okay like you're not in trouble if you come home like it's fine like we miss you it's all good like you're not in trouble um i don't know i feel like that one line just stands out to me for some reason but the line that stands out to me is she said we missed you oh see to me i feel like because they just had christmas so i feel like it was saying like we missed you over christmas we missed you over the holiday break that could be it too. I don't know. Something about the Facebook posts really stick out to me in this case. Um, which interestingly, interestingly enough, leads into the next thing. But the following day, a woman named it's either Jeannie or Jenny. I'm not sure, but she contacted the Portland PD. So she's connected to the family because her brother used to be married to Heather Dilly's sister. But she brought up some really interesting things. So. She did tell the police that she was concerned that Harley was being sexually assaulted. Um, I do want to take time to say that I did not see anything confirming this. I did not see anybody else say this. But she mentioned concerns about that. So it didn't even really say why. But she told the police to look into it. So I wanted to mention it. Yeah, of course. She also pointed out that that Friday when Harley wasn't at school and the school couldn't get a hold of Heather... Heather had been actively posting on Facebook about some leggings that she was selling, which correlates with Heather and Marcus's story because one of the errands that they said that they had to go run that day was to sell some leggings. So, A, she was on Facebook. If she was on Facebook, she was on her phone. But Jenny or Jeannie, she also told the police that those leggings that Heather claimed to have gone to sell that day 
had actually ended up being donated to the Salvation Army. So she obviously was concerned that Heather was lying and sort of creating space for an alibi. I mean, in... So, Jeannie or Jenny, I don't want to say her name wrong, so I'm so sorry if I do. Um, She told police that Heather was selling leggings, but then they got donated to the Salvation Army. That that kind of, like, threw her off and makes it seem like Heather was lying. Right, because I guess Heather was posting that on her Facebook as well. She had posted something that same day when Harley would have initially gone missing. She was posting about leggings. Okay. And about selling leggings, and they ended up being donated and i also there's not proof that they were donated or sold or whatever i mean even if they were donated instead of sold is that really that important to the case and it could have just been a thing where she tried to sell them and she couldn't so she just donated them right i think that's kind of where where i'm where i'm at is okay let's say that she did donate them instead of sell them she was still out she was still running errands she was still doing something it wasn't like she was donating to the Salvation Army, but they only have one, and that's six states away. So clearly, like, at that right. point, you know what I mean? I, Either way, it's kind of like an alibi. Like, And it just, it the fact that she had brought up that Harley had potentially been sexually assaulted with no evidence and nothing else to confirm this. Mm-hmm. Um, I just find it very odd that I feel like she's trying to... I feel like get the gears going almost like trying to get the family to look suspicious. Right. Which at this point, why? Right. So, okay. Next thing we have is I haven't mentioned it yet, but Harley was very active on social media. He had multiple YouTube pages. He had a Twitch. He had a discord. He mostly created video game content, but he did post some videos of himself, like some vlogs Um, One that gets discussed a lot in this case is called I'm Scared. It has since been been deleted, but in the video, Harley is discussing how he'd gotten in trouble, so his mom had lied to him to scare him and told him she'd called the police on him and that they were coming to get him, basically. Um, She'd locked him out of the house without food. She wasn't home to even let him back in. Uh, it's It's really unusual. There's also a few videos, a few other videos about him getting locked out in the cold And in some of his vlogs, you can hear his parents screaming at him in the background. Uh, Remember, he's only 14. Right. You know, it actually makes me think for a second. I mean, if Harvey had an online presence and he was on social media, he had a YouTube, he was kind of well-known. Does that open the door for a potential groomer or maybe someone from online? It totally does. And I've thought about that too, especially with things that aren't super regulated, like Discord is kind of a free-for-all. Oh, yeah. And I also don't really know how much monitoring of his internet activity his parents were doing. Right. And we also know that when it comes to grooming as well, groomers will find teenagers that, you know, are easy to isolate. They have a troubled home life. And he was showing isolation. He was showing anger and aggression. He was showing the signs that you start to see in in cases of grooming. So it kind of definitely could be a different way to twist it. Did he meet someone online and then they committed this heinous crime? I'm not saying that they did, but it's definitely just a way my brain thinks for a second. You know what I mean? 
No, that makes sense. Especially, you know, with your degree, that makes sense. I think, I mean, just me personally, this seems like a, you know, an accident, but I definitely think his internet activity is something that could have potentially placed him in unsafe situations. And I mean, we also have to think too, because I agree, I, I, I still think it was an accident, but the, the, the cops didn't fully investigate the claims that the online comments are coming from. They went to that one kid in Washington and they didn't really do anything with it. Well, no, they, so they contacted the Seattle police and the Seattle police wouldn't even, they left the kid a voicemail. Exactly. So we don't know who it really was. We don't know that actual person. There was no IP tracing. There was no, I, that's just kind of where like, is it a potential? Mm-hmm. Is it like when you, when you hear a kid that is on social media, you think of the dangers of social media and it, it is out there. I talk about it all of the time. I think so, you really like hit the nail on the head too when you said that the way that he was behaving on social media, like the videos he was making about getting locked out and the arguments with his parents and stuff, it would make him a target for dangerous behavior. Very easily. Because, I mean, you think about it, groomers, they're going to follow. They're going to want to try and gain your trust. They're going to look, oh, here's a troubled teen boy. He's always fighting with his parents. And then starts talking and then kind of an us against the world or us against the parents. And that's where anger and aggression can start building. And exactly. it does make for a good point to think about. That doesn't mean that it did happen because I don't think that's what happened. But when I was reading this case and when we were talking about it, I was surprised that I didn't see that mentioned anywhere, that that could have been a possibility, that it wasn't investigated further. Did they go through his records online of people he was talking to? Did they talk to any of his online followers of like people that might – that's just – it's just, it definitely opens up a door, you know? Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, it just seems like regardless of kind of what you think of this case or regardless of if you think the parents did it or whatever, um, it definitely wasn't an ideal home situation. Right, and that can, that can attain, not attain, that can attest to him having anger issues or aggression issues, him lashing out. That can explain why his behavior was the way it is. Right. And that's kind of what I was thinking, too, is maybe it's not so much anything other than it was a tumultuous home situation. Right. Um, So a comment was left on one of Harley's YouTube channels, and the comment said, Harley is alive, but he is injured and he wasn't abducted. This gets mentioned a lot when people are discussing this case, but law enforcement did identify the poster and the address was associated with an apartment complex in Seattle. The police in Seattle refused to go door-to-door asking people, so they just kind of left the kid who posted the comment a voicemail. He called them back, and he said he didn't even know Harley in real life, just on the internet, and that he'd made that comment because he was under the impression that's what the police had said, because someone said so in their Discord server. So basically, it's like a messed-up game of Discord telephone that ended up getting commented, but... With no basis of fact. That's probably why they mentioned in the Facebook post, like, don't search and don't start rumors because mm-hmm. something like this would happen where you get a comment of he's alive and we don't know. Right. <laughs> right. That, that's the exact reason they were telling people not to do that. Another note here, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, law enforcement interviewed a few other individuals. One of them was Harley's speech and language pathologist. 
I couldn't find out why Harley was seeing a speech and language pathologist, but he was. Um, So there's a few things in her statement I thought were interesting that I want to point out. She stated that there was some drama at the end of their relationship and Harley was having a difficult time understanding that it was over and he was still planning on buying his ex-girlfriend a really expensive Christmas gift to win her over, but the speech pathologist advised against that. Um, Another individual contacted the police and told them about an incident where Marcus had been aggressive at a yard sale and when they were confronted, Heather had stood up for him and told him that his new medication was making him aggressive. But it never says what medication, and that could be an interesting point. So on December 29th of 2019, 10 days after Harley was last seen, a candlelight vigil was held for him. Again, there's a lot of weird incidences in this case where random people get involved and end up in the police spotlight and then ends up just being nothing. So during that candlelight vigil, somebody was Facebook living it. And they got a message about how someone, the person that was sending the message, was going to jail for murder. So, of course, they contacted the police. But after some investigation, it was determined that these comments had nothing to do with Harley. Things really began slowing down in the case a little after this. The social media posts really slowed down. The searches began to dwindle. Law enforcement was still asking everyone to keep an eye out, to review their security footage frequently. Lots of tips came in. There was a supposed sighting, one at an Airbnb and one at a Walmart, but they were both proven to not be Harley. Um, Some clothing was found and submitted to police. It was also proven to not be Harley's. So it kind of seems like the case came to a standstill for a couple days here. Right. Yeah. There's almost no leads they they at this point i feel like they essentially had nothing and they barely had a cohesive timeline i do kind of want to talk about something here so i've seen this in real life and i know that you have too just being in like a true crime creator type community where anytime there's an incident that a child is missing the first thing that the masses scream for is an amber alert yes So I wanted to talk about it a little bit here, just in case anyone at this point is wondering, well, why didn't they put out an Amber Alert? Amber Alerts have really specific criteria behind them. And one thing that people don't really talk about is that there has to be suspicion that the child has been kidnapped. Correct. Which, you know, you can agree with it or not agree with it. I, I of course, feel some type of way about it, but it's just part of it. So if if police don't have reason to believe that the child was taken against their will, they don't issue one. Right. And, and even if they do, they have to have very specific criteria. Mm-hmm. What car were they taken in? How are they, you know, which way are they traveling? It takes a lot for an Amber Alert to be created because it's normally meant for um, at risk of, of um, crossing state lines. Because if there's an Amber Alert, then there's more you can do on the federal level than a state level. Right. Yeah, exactly. And even if, like, it, they don't get issued a lot because the police say, well, maybe they ran away. Yep. There has to be some kind of proof um, that there was an abduction and that the child's in danger before they'll even issue one. That's why you'll find with Amber Alerts, you'll mostly see it when parents or family of the, of the child um, are the one that they're looking out for because there is concrete proof. Right. There was an incident here... Um, local to me recently where a child went missing 
And I just remember looking on all of the Facebook posts about it and all of the comments were like, why hasn't there been an Amber Alert? Why aren't the police doing anything? Why is there no Amber Alert? And it's because there was there was nothing to point that direction in the case. Correct. And you can't give an Amber Alert if you don't have a lot of information. Right. You can issue a BOLO, which is what you know this police department did. Um, again, that BOLO, you're on the lookout for someone, but an Amber Alert is this child is in danger. They are likely with someone who is going to commit harm. So a few days after, on January 3rd of 2020, the Port Clinton Police Department posted an interesting update on Facebook. Uh, This one says, quote, what I would like to do is share that Harley's parents have fully cooperated with this investigation and continue to do so. Please read nothing into the press conference when I stated no comment, as that is not the case. I would also like to add the following. If you have nothing nice to say, please private message me on our Facebook page as I read each and every comment. I personally don't know how I would react if one of my grandchildren went missing, and I would venture to say, neither do most of you. The Dilly's entire life has been and continues to be scrutinized on social media. Their only concern right now is that Harley is returned to them safely. End quote. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's fair, especially because when it does come, social media has been a disgrace to crime investigations because of things like this and automatically accusing the family. Is there some sketchy stuff? Not for me to say. Not for me to say. And it's not for anyone else to say. Right now, the family is looking into finding their son alive. I think that that social media scrutiny that the police department is talking about, that's what led to Heather removing those posts. Oh, yeah, I could I could for sure see that. Uh, So 10 days after this, on January 13th of 2020, this is a little weird, but there was representatives from Texas EchoSearch there. There was a criminal intelligence analyst for the BCI in the Port Clinton Police Department. They were all getting together because they were preparing to have the Ottawa County landfill excavated and they were going to search for um, presumably remains in the landfill. But as they're having this meeting about the landfill, the criminal intelligence analyst, they asked her, hey, do you want to look at where this investigation started? And she said, yes, of course. So they showed her that security footage that they had of Harley from that morning he went missing She looked at it, and I wish I could talk to her because I want to know why, but she looked at it and immediately honed into one specific house, and she asked law enforcement if they had searched 507 Fulton Street, which is very close to Harley's home. They said they had searched it multiple times. They'd had canine teams search around the house. She said, you know, I want to go look at it again. So they went to go look again, and they found that the home was vacant it wasn't abandoned, as you'll sometimes see it reported, but what, what it was is that the owners were using it as a summer home. So the home had been locked up and winterized, um, meaning just, you know, things were blocked off or they had all their AC and heat and stuff off. It was basically closed down, but they were coming back in the summer. So law enforcement received verbal permission to enter the home. They entered because they had not entered to this point, but they went ahead and entered. They didn't find anyone inside. They didn't see any signs of forced entry. But when they went to clear the second floor, they saw a pile of clothing laying just inside the doorway of an upstairs bedroom. The pile was topped by a maroon puffer jacket that matched the one that Harley had been wearing. It was found zipped and inside out. 
Underneath the jacket was a black sweatshirt and a Cleveland Browns jersey, which also belonged to Harley. So they find this pile of clothes. They realize they're Harley's clothes. And immediately they did the right thing, which we almost never see. But they backed out of the house, didn't touch anything else, and began the process to obtain a search warrant, uh, which took about an hour, which is also very quick. Oh, yeah. Later that evening, they went back in to do a more thorough search. And there was a vent that had been the vent cover had been pushed out so they looked inside of the vent and unfortunately they did discover harley's remains the chief his name is robert hickman he said quote it appears that harley climbed an antenna tower to the roof and entered the chimney once in the chimney harley's jacket and glasses were pushed from the chimney through a flue and into the second floor of the house the chimney was blocked between the second and first floor which trapped harley the chimney is approximately 9 inches by 13 inches in size. This is a tragic outcome to the case and a tough loss to the community. End quote. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how exactly they found Harley. Um, he was found only in his boxers. He had his head towards the roof of the house and his feet towards the floor with his knees slightly bent. Both arms were bent at the elbow and both elbows were up near his head. At the floor of the chimney, they found his sweatpants, his slip-on shoes, socks, and a blue flashlight. It's assumed that Harley removed his clothing and pushed it out of the vents to create more room to be able to breathe. Yeah, I mean, ugh, this poor child. Um, I know. The thing, like, also probably, A, to drop the clothes down first and... A, cleans out any dust that might be down there, and two, to make yourself as thin as possible for such a, such a small space. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I'm assuming it's sort of just like an instinctual thing as well. Like, you know you're running out of space. Yeah. Which is a, a completely horrific thought. Completely. Completely I, I horrific. Um, his mother did make a Facebook post after his remains were discovered. Um, I'm going to read it. This is the Facebook post that kind of makes people, it gives people pause. Right. Um, it says, quote, my son is gone, not returning. He isn't a runaway or abducted, kidnapped or missing. He is found and dead. Today, we had to go make arrangements at a funeral home for our son, our 14-year-old, who made a choice. He made the choice to climb the antenna of an abandoned home, walk across a roof to a chimney, and attempted to climb down. There, he would have been able to view me leaving early Friday as I was running errands. He would have then been able to come back home, and I would have been never the wiser. The decision he made, he probably got the idea off all that gaming he did with Fortnite, how they climb up things, go into abandoned homes to get treasures. He is gone. Here, she discusses him not wanting to go to school that day. And then she finishes with, so regardless of what this negligence petition is circulating, even if we called in those two to 24 hours, he was already dead. You can point the finger at me, at us, whatever, all you want. The outcome would have been the same either way, end quote. I mean, we all say things um, not so eloquently when we are going through grief and trauma. That's the thing. I can um, see where it looks suspicious, but she also just found out that her son was dead. Yeah. 
this and is... I'm sure there was an element of her where she was angry with him for doing that. Right. I mean, because again, you figure this doesn't sound like this was a quiet kid that never got into trouble and was a perfect little angel. Mm-hmm. This was a teenage boy who did teenage boy things and that ended up ending in his demise. And yeah. I'm sure that there's anger that she has with him. Like, how could he have made that choice to go down a chimney? How could he have made the choice to watch me leave and to go down that chimney basically naked? How could he make that choice? And then there's anger with herself. You can yeah. point the fingers at me all you want. I, It doesn't matter when I would have called or when I would have noticed. There's definitely just so much anger and emotion, which is totally understandable. We have to remember that taking out what the parents involvement was or wasn't that's not up for us to decide but that this woman just lost her child and whether she was a great mom a mediocre mom or maybe she had some abusive tendencies she was still a mom and to i wonder if especially when she says you know even if we would have called in those two to 24 hours he was already dead i wonder if that maybe she'd been beating herself up this entire time that he was missing thinking damn i should have called earlier should have called earlier and now she she's realizing you know it wouldn't have mattered right because i mean you have to think about it she's probably been why didn't i call earlier i thought this was just routine harley where he -hmm. would be gone for a couple days and just come back i didn't think that it meant something bad happened because again if this is routine and it sounds like it was where things would heat up and he would go find somewhere else to stay that it was routine. Right. And so instead of doing it, you know, within the first two to 24 hours and she had waited a few days, I'm sure she beats herself up too, but they had also searched the house. Right. Which they didn't see the clothes behind the bedroom door when they searched the house. So they hadn't gone inside the house. Oh, 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 my apologies. Right. So, they yeah they hadn't gone in yet they just looked outside they kind of went around with dogs but they hadn't been inside and even when they did find him at first this is it's this is a little bit like gruesome but they did say multiple times like they did not see harley at first and they didn't smell decomp or anything until the chimney was opened up yeah um So later in January 2020, the Ottawa County Coroner's Office announced that Harley's cause of death was compressive asphyxia, um, that an exact time of death couldn't be proved forensically because, unfortunately, he had been deceased for a while. No foul play was suspected, and his toxicology report was clear. His funeral was held on January 25th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Garner Wolf Walker Funeral Home. It was paid for using the reward money that had been raised and the excess funds, I believe it was about $10,000 that was donated to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. So again, it's not like his family profited off of the situation. Right. Um, A few days later, again, it's just sort of interesting that all these people came forward about it. But on January 28th, a man posted on Facebook that, quote, the case will soon be closed. Harley's one friend was there when he did it and was afraid to say anything. When he was questioned further, he posted again and said, quote, Well, I hate to say this. I think they're going to rule this an accidental death so it doesn't hurt the town from the tourist season. 
But on a side note, I think the Dillies will come out with a new book called The Perfect Murder, end quote. Police spoke with him, and basically all that happened was he said he didn't have any proof that Harley had been murdered. And this is why... This is why true crime on social media is awful. Right. Because they're making very hefty accusations, but we can get to that in a minute. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's a that's a, a big thing to say. And then he also said that Harley's one friend was there when he did it. Right. So it went from... Harley's one friend was there when he did it, but then that the Dillies are going to come out with the book called The Perfect Murder. So did the boy witness the Dillies murdering and then didn't say anything? Right. But we'll, let's move forward. (laughs) Two co-workers of Marcus, they would also later come forward and discuss his behavior in, you know, the days, months following Harley's disappearance They said he made really odd comments, like allegedly less than 10 days after Harley went missing, Marcus said he wasn't going to come back home um, and that he had been discussing the life insurance policy frequently at work. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's what they were worried about or, you know, who knows. But it definitely just feels like these couple people are just looking to stir the pot or just to get involved. Yep. Um. So, as far as updates in this case go, it's kind of weird because there's not really any. Um, The chimney where Harley was found was removed from the home um, by the homeowner out of respect for the Dilly family, so that is gone now. Um, There was talk of, quote, Harley's Law, which people were trying to get passed that would require parents to report their children missing in a timely manner or to face criminal consequences, I can't find anything saying that it was successfully passed or even introduced. I think it's something that was talked about. Similarly, there was allegedly a scholarship fund that was planned in Harley's honor. But once again, I can't not find anything saying that it was actually successfully started. And that's where the case ends. That is the horrific story of Harley Dilly and his disappearance and his discovery. I just... I, like, it breaks my heart that cases like this happen. And it breaks <laughs> my heart that everyone wants to turn a tragic case into something more than it is. Right. You know, I don't see parents climbing a roof in December in Ohio to th- throw their child into a chimney. That is sort of the thing that kind of stuck out to me. Just, I know we've kind of discussed... Um, like the forensic psychology that goes into murder and the method that is chosen specifically. Yep. And I can't think of anything where parents would, in in the middle of the day also at Mm 7am, take their child also very close to their own home. Yeah. Climb up a roof while carrying a a 14-year-old. Yep. Stuff him into the house. I Also, how did they... How would they have been able to get his clothes out by, and not enter the house? Yep. I don't know. The whole thing is just very... To me, it seems very clear-cut. Like, it was it was an accident. He, I'm sure, was not aware that the house was winterized and that the chimney was blocked off and thought that he was going to be able to gain access to the home. 
Right. And I'm sure that it probably did stem from relations at home that were negative. There Mm -hmm. probably was a blowout fight at some point that isn't released to the public, nor does it really need to be. Right. If there was a blowout fight and he left and he was locked out of the house, shame on the mom, but he was just trying to go into survival mode and was like, hey, I don't want to break any of these windows. I don't want people to know I broke in, but I I know I need to get in here. And it also makes you stop and think what made him think to not break a window and then to use a chimney. So I did see some stuff while I was researching that he allegedly was kind of known for going into abandoned homes. So this may have just been something that he had done before. Yeah. I mean, if if what that article is saying is true, it very well could have been, I'm mad at mom and dad. I want a place to go. I'm going, you know, to go in through the chimney. I've done it a million times. That's probably why he took off all of his clothes. He knew that he needed to break down any dust and webs and any animals that might be in the way. He needed to be as skinny and as lightweight as possible to make the fall easier. And then it probably wasn't his first rodeo. It was just the only time that the house had been winterized and others weren't. And, you know, thinking about what Heather said, too, about how Harley could see their house from there, I wonder if the plan was, because remember, he wanted to skip school. I wonder if the plan was to just go in there and chill for a minute until she left and then just go back home. Right. And then couldn't. Because he was also, he was wearing, like, sweatpants and slides, like, it's not like he was going to go out in the snow. You know, maybe he was just going to go back home and go back to bed or whatever. Yeah. I, I think that there's a lot of, there are a lot of cases where people try to make it to be more than it is. And we have to remember accidents happen. Mm-hmm. Tragedy happens. Not everything is suspicious. Not everything is a murder. Not everything needs to be looked under a microscope. That some things are just so incredibly tragic and I'm so sorry for the family for having to deal with this and for having to find their son that way and for the torment that they went through and the torments that they received on social media I'm just it breaks my heart every time definitely especially man it's just as a parent even just as a human I can't imagine something really tragic happening in my personal life and all of my business being broadcasted to everyone because I'm sure I wouldn't always look the most innocent no and I'm sure I would hate to read people making things up making things up or twisting Mm -hmm. things that aren't meant to be twisted or accusing me of things and they don't even have half the information correct Right. Oh, yeah. I can't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our very first episode of Dr. Crime. For more information, check out the podcast description where we will link all of our sources to the information that we used to compile today's episode. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Dr. Crime Pod. Leave us a review wherever you stream your podcasts. Thank you all for listening, and we can't wait to talk to you next week. See you then.